0: I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm um, Inkata and, and uh, Kid Cudi just replaced Kanye West at Rolling Loud, and that's
1: hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dread to the Fifth Element. Or I highlight fifth in hip hop, which is knowledge and replacing nobody. I know that I'm carrying on, but I'm, not, I'm sure showing no. I was just digging, digging, digging,
0: That strained falsetto.
1: Strained?
0: Excuse me. We've all tried it. We've all it attempted all strained? to sing. We've all attempted to sing front in the car, and it's uh, certainly not my it's not my strong suit. And then you get, you get been, you? <laughs> no, you get Jay Z coming. We got another one for real. I call you for real because you're the truth. <laughs>
1: Hi Ben, you're for real. And <laughs> what have you listened to this week? Uh,
0: this week, let's get into it. Um I haven't even got it up yet. What have I what am I doing here? What am I why am I not concentrating? <sighs> Tell, the you episode, what, Tell you what, Lizzo Lizzo dropped an album and uh, it's called Special. Yeah. And it's a fucking masterpiece, genuinely. Like I uh, I think it's brilliant. You know, Lizzo's heartfelt and self aware lyrical content. It just conjures up wave after wave of powerful emotion. Um, I wrote a whole bunch here, but I'm not even going to read what I wrote. I just got like super inspired. I listened to it on Friday afternoon. As soon as it dropped, uh, I put it on and I'm like, when I first heard it, I said, this is a real bop. This is a genuine bop. And I thought that we were just going to get this kind of eighties pastiche throwback kind of thing. Um, you know, everybody's gay, for example, has this montage of iconic '80s sounds. Uh, you know, one minute I thought I was listening to Michael Jackson. The next I thought it was Eurythmics. The next I was thinking maybe Rick Astley would pop up or Soft Cell or Depeche Mode. Um, you know, I was I was really thought that Nile Rodgers would be all over this. He's not, but he is. Like, he's not in the writing credits, but his sound and that sound that he created is, is just, like, layered all over this record. And, you know, a lot of pop artists are going back to the 80s right now and kind of bringing it up and revitalizing it. But... It's not actually that easy to do. You know, uh, I think The Weeknd did it incredibly well. But Post Malone tried to do it and he could not pull it off. You need to be an incredibly strong vocalist to pull it off. You really do. Because people think that the 80s, uh, I don't know what they think of the 80s. I don't know if they think it was just bubblegum pop or if they thought it was, you know, not particularly adept singers and artists, but... Bro, that's not the case at all. Like, these artists were incredible in the 80s, and Lizzo is fucking skating on this production. She sounds genuinely like a 34 year old as well because she's running through a range of emotions, but she's not just pulling them off and then kind of returning to the dance floor in the hopes that the music will heal her. Like, there's not a lot of Instagram level insight into this. It's a lot deeper than that. She's talking a lot about self acceptance, a lot about like struggles in relationships, and uh, finding someone who loves you that you love them back, but then navigating all the toxic parts of the relationship, navigating all of the different time bombs that exist in all of us from you know traumas that we've experienced in our past, and especially when you're in a relationship with someone else and that close to someone and you really want to spend your life with that person, you have to navigate that shit. And a lot of music, a lot of pop music is just like, oh, if you're not serving me, then get out of my life. Or if you don't love me the way I am right now, then get out of my life. And there is a section on one of the songs where Lizzo talks about that. Uh, but it was actually, it was, it's called If You Love Me. And she says, if you love me, you love all of me and none of me at all. And it sounds like that kind of Instagram level, you know, that you've just gone through a breakup and someone's left you because they said that you've done something to them or you've hurt them. And you're like, no, if you don't love all of me, then you can't love me at all. Like, it's just that, like, non-accountability, just taking no accountability for your own actions. But Lizzo actually wrote it as the first song of the album And she wrote it as a message to her fans. She said she was on stage and like people were showing her all this adoration. And her whole point with that was like, show me adoration for sure, but show everyone else who looks like me adoration, whether they're as famous as Lizzo or not. And you know, the whole point was if you're a bigger person, you're just being ostracized and, uh, you know, criticized. And that's like, that's a running theme throughout this record, how Lizzo like she likes herself and she loves herself but how she reconciles this with the fact that people are dragging her for her weight people are critical of people her size especially online and so she's constantly being bombarded with all this negativity and this this anger and this vitriol how does she still love herself within that you know how does she turn away from that especially if those are the people that she's trying to capture to have any kind of career and, you know, that's just one aspect, man. This is a brilliant fucking album. It is such a good album. It's it's a bop on one level. You can put it on and just dance away. But uh, it's going to make you feel a lot, and it's going to make you think a lot. It's a triple threat, this album. It's just brilliant. So shout out to Lizzo on that. Great fucking album. Uh, Steve Lacey, Gemini, writes, uh, Steve Lacey Ironically, unironically, maybe list Thundercat and the Neptunes as his biggest influence. I was listening to the album. I'm like, this sounds like an Nard album. Like, not like he didn't, you know, write off their notes. He didn't sit behind them in the test and copy their entire paper. But there's definitely some sounds in here, and it's a bit of an odd listen because uh, he definitely goes in a bunch of directions on this project. You know, Mercury has this kind of folky feel, uh, like an early American guitar music. Um, Buttons is like straight up a slow groove, like something Pink Floyd might have placed on a 1970s acid trip album. Uh, Amber has those stratospheric choir vocals. I actually hear a lot of Igor on this record, but the problem with that is Igor was perfect, right? Igor was—it genuinely was. It was perfectly sequenced. Uh, it was perfect. Everything was perfect. You couldn't. There was nothing out of place. But this album is the exact opposite. Of that it's a mess by design. And um, yeah, it was a tough listen for me. I, I didn't really enjoy that. Lloyd Banks' Course in the Inevitable 2. Uh, there's only one skippable on here, which is, I thought was Fell in Love, which was definitely a throwaway. Although his flow on that was really good. And it was nice to hear a bit of a change up in the production. But yeah, man, so it's, it's a good album. It's a really good album. He's rapping from a far more interesting place than I've heard him rap in for a long time. You know, his heaviness of the past 15 years of betrayals and pandemics and a gradual loss of mainstream relevance. They're weighing on him and he's trying to figure out how to navigate that and where that situates him in his current career. Uh, He doesn't shy away from the past, you know, but he also doesn't embrace it or live in it or dismiss it in a spiteful way. It's a very difficult line to toe because when you've been that famous early in your career, how do you reconcile that with not being that famous anymore? You know, where do you go? How do you make money? And a lot of artists will, I've heard at this age, will just be really spiteful or they'll just talk about their past life, and they won't talk about their present. But I definitely feel like Lloyd Banks' past informs his current position. But he's telling us how he's feeling right now, and you know, I thought it was a great uh, lyrical performance from him. I thought the production was a little bit sleepy at times. Um, but yeah, no, it's, again, these are just nitpicking. It's it's a really good record, and uh, Rowdy Rebel, Rebel vs. Rowdy. It's kind of interesting to see Bobby Schmurter and Rebel, Rowdy Rebel go in different directions since they've come out. Uh, Bobby Schmurter's not got a lot of trust capital right now. People are saying that he's fallen off, but Rowdy Rebel has ascended, you know, both in standing amongst fans, but also in his quality, too. I definitely think he's improved dramatically in the last couple of months. Uh, this record, I think, is probably the limit of his quality right now. I think it's really good it's you know the beats are great uh he sounds really good on them but his limitations as an artist definitely shine through the hooks are pretty mid-tier um they're almost like an afterthought. like oh i had to put a hook on here so i just did uh you know route confidence and his energy is his strong suit and it's super infectious it really lends itself to this kind of production where he fucking skates dreezy came in uh popped up on major the streets so that was a great track as well um, but yeah, man, it's it's a really good listen. So if you haven't listened to that, then uh, I recommend checking it out.
1: So that was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, just one note before I begin. Uh, Nile Rodgers and Sheik, uh top five, just hour, nine minutes of live music. Like I, I can't, I can't imagine like a better just set. Like this is crazy, legendary. Um, d- d- I remember their Glastonbury performance. Uh, was it? Was it Glastonbury? Maybe Glastonbury, but uh, yeah, it was. It was just an hour of just glorious, glorious. Glorious tunes. Uh, yeah, start off with a uh, DJ premiere. Oh uh, yeah, Hip Hop Fifty Volume One. Uh, Joey Badass, Remy Ma, Rhapsody. To be fair, Mars. having
0: Rhapsody and Remy Ma on a track was not fair to Remy Ma. Like uh, <laughs> Rhapsody and Remy Ma not in the same stratosphere when it comes to that. Like, I thought her verse was pretty weak.
1: Yeah um uh, run the jewels slick rick nil wayne as well um and yeah i think everyone gets the job done i feel um you can say that about raymar as well um some people have said lil wayne's was a bit mid so i thought it was fine like, i don't and i i don't listen to the wayne that much but apparently it was a bit mid so all right i'll take you guys' word for it mm. like, it didn't kill the project for me so that was kind of the only outlier for me i was like is the wayne verse fine can I actually listen and t- listen to it? And I can, so yeah, definitely one of the EPs of the year for me, just off the names alone. Shay uh, Noir, uh, Poetic Sounds Live, the EP, um, and just uh makes me want to hear her live because um yeah she has a great it's great instrumentation behind her. She sounds real forceful as she always does on the mic, and uh, yeah, just got that got that depth to it as well. Um, just um, that sometimes doesn't translate. Uh, when you spin it live, but um, yeah, man, I feel like a lot of people should, you know, just do a live tape and just see how it goes. I- I'd love people to experiment with that some. Uh, uh, sometimes I wish people did it more often. But yeah, shout out to Shane Noir for doing that. Uh, Jazzy Shavers and Tavares Jordan, spell uh Jazzy, spell J A S Z Y. Uh, Carolina Soul. Um, f- one of those random follows I just did. Uh, for Shavers and uh. comes through (laughs) through with a little uh, I think it was an EP or an album it was like one of those middle ones I can't really decide which is which and um, yeah, very solid um, modern uh, R&B love her voice Um, I like the production from uh, Jordan as well Uh, just a nice team up, just a really good team up really solid project, can't complain Uh, Vic Spencer, Small Professor, Mudslide friend of Ivy, Vic Spencer back at it again of course standard procedure, never not working um, and yeah, comes through with another banger, um, good hits, um, some decent, uh, intro, uh, interludes as well, just to, just to chop it up nice, nicely. Um, so shout to Small Professor on that front, uh, on the production side, nice samples, very fun. And, uh, yeah man, just Vic Spencer going off, got Leaf, do- uh, 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 God, what's, the boss, what's the boss man's name? <laughs> I got dude's name or, uh, is it, uh, no, Flea Lord? Yeah, Flea Lord. Flea Lord. I think Flea Lord, right? Yeah, flea lord. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking flea. Lord. Um, but yeah, yeah, flea lord. Um, so yeah, he comes in as well. Uh, Stevie Cook, uh, Stevie Crooks as well. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Good stuff all around. Good stuff all around. Shout out to everybody. Uh, and lastly, three projects. Um, from the group from the squad at Jazz is Dead. Adrian Young, Ali Shahid Muhammad. Um, so Jazz is Dead is Dead. Both of their uh, I think labels. but uh, they, they they both like team up with the label. And uh, they're going just full Blue Note with it. Um, so they came through with uh, Jazz is Dead 011. Um, and that kind of just has a myriad of tracks going on. And uh, now that it's been a few months since then. Uh, they've dropped two more. Uh, one with uh, Gene Khan and uh, Catalyst as well, which uh, dropped this past Friday. And, uh, well, they're all great. They're all great examples of jazz um, in all of its um, wonders. Uh, Gene Khan uh <laughs> great first line of her bio by the way it's like five uh, five octave vocalist i'm just like okay <laughs> show us what you got then fucking hell and uh yeah she's i mean she's uh getting on a bit but damn like she, she's got some vocals man like some real real nice vocals all over the place um out of the, out of the three that's probably my favorite so far um i do like catalyst as a you know they're young and up and coming uh it, i i think i might be wrong uh but yeah uh, it's, a, it's a group basically and uh, they come through with some nice stuff um and yeah just shout out to Adrian Young and Ali Shah Mohammed man just like putting on jazz artists and uh you know giving them the space to put out these these decent works um they got on on uh, on one uh, on Zero 011 uh they got uh, stuff from uh, like the likes of Tony Allen RIP Tony Allen as well um and uh well they got harry uh, henry franklin uh da, 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 wendell harrison the midnight hour so yeah i'm, I'm sure there's going to be more um throughout the year and uh throughout the next well however long they want to go do it for uh but yeah shout out to jazz is dead um for the whole for the whole set um, so looking forward to some look forward to more on that front and as i said we shall hop into our Retrospective uh, topic for this episode retrospective on the one, the only Neptunes we presented in Neptunes. And um, yeah, uh, Chad Hugo, Pharrell, you know the deal. Uh, Virginia-based, uh, Virginia based, um, Virginia born and bred. And uh, I'm sure they're not based here anymore. Uh, well, for at least Pharrell isn't. And uh, yeah, you know, legends of the game, uh, peak, peak 2000s music. For better or worse, of course. And uh, next week, uh, to spoil it, we're going to do NERD as well. So um, it's going to be a nice twofer uh, for you guys on this front. If you are into the Neptune sound, which um, I feel like (laughs) Uh. (laughs) we all were at some point. Mm. (laughs) So uh, Ben, where do you want to begin?
0: Yeah, man, like, I think maybe more so than anyone else in Neptune's defined the sound of mainstream hip-hop for a solid decade, you know, late 90s to the the late 2000s, and, you know, I think you could put them at the pinnacle of production, you know. Their sound was so powerful, it touched everyone from Britney Spears to Pusha T in the same year, like, that's wild. Mm. And this developed over years and years of hard work and helped see the fruition of the Neptune's master plan, which was to influence and to teach now during uh Pharrell's Drink tramps episode, which was very interesting, uh there was some low moments in that, but um it's a long one, it's three hours, and uh I really would um appreciate some editing from Drink Champs, but they don't seem capable of that. But uh, <laughs> look, Pharrell spoke of your desire to bring knowledge to promising producers, more so than getting in the ring and annihilating them in a verses. Uh this collaborative spirit and desire to progress the sound, rather than just post up wild numbers. Has meant that their music and legacy has endured well past their contemporaries. Pharrell actually said in that Drink Champs interview that Timberland is a much better producer than him. And like if we're talking about like in terms of technical ability, maybe. I you know, I wouldn't disagree, maybe. Uh, I would say that maybe Scott Storch is a better producer too, and maybe Kanye, maybe Bink. But what the Neptunes did more so than anyone else was cultivate an arc of influence that was so potent. That Pharrell can pop up on push's 2022 album and sound just as vital as he did in the late 90s, and there's no one. I mean, you know, we got on that Pusher album, we got the Kanye versus Pusher T. Uh, sorry, Kanye versus Pharrell. No one, no producer from the the mid to late 90s was is doing that at this level. If Timberland had popped up and done that, I don't think we would have got the same. It wouldn't have been the same hype, you know. And I think that that's a very important part of Neptune's legacy. And obviously this is the diversification of sound that happened uh, throughout their career is exactly why they're still so relevant in 2022. You know, Timbaland and Missy began in R&B and New Jack Swing and they kind of expanded into hip hop, but Pharrell and Chad began in R&B, New Jack Swing, hip hop, and then they moved into pop and rock really quickly and it never felt like they were lacking or overachieving in any of those genres. It felt like that that was exactly where they should be. You know, I would argue that Timbaland's sound was kind of deeply experimental and truly groundbreaking, but I felt like it was limited in scope. And rather than fully inhabiting the different genres he skipped between, he kept a consistent core sound that his collaborators came towards him artistically. I actually felt like Pharrell and Chad Hugo were the exact opposite. They went towards their collaborators. And their, their background in music was supremely helpful in this. They met in Virginia Beach, obviously, on a summer camp for musicians. I think they were like Twelve or something They were super super young and pharrell was on the drums and chad hugo was playing the sax and in an interview with the age in 2004 chad hugo said have you ever seen that movie school of rock that was us except we played jazz standard and in an interview with hot 97 chad said that pharrell told him he was writing rhymes when they first met and chad said he had a four track at home and suggested they go back there and start putting together some songs so they actually stole a casio sampler and a drum machine from a local guitar center and Pharrell began writing whilst Chad Hugo began producing. And they recorded a lot together in Chad's mom's house and began honing their skills. And I genuinely think, you know, I've I've probably talked about this house like 10 times in retrospectives on this this podcast because there's so many artists that came through there. There were so many hits that were created there. And, uh, you know, it was one of the most fruitful creative hip-hop locations in history. Clips began in that very house and uh, they began cooking up neptune's uh, chad hugo and pharrell they were learning different instruments they were working out how to collaborate with each other and create sounds now tammy lucas told red bull music academy in 2015 that teddy riley's studio was actually within walking distance from the school pharrell and chad hugo were attending and teddy began to put on these talent shows now teddy is super pivotal in this story if you remember from our clips episode uh teddy had moved to virginia from harlem in order to build a studio and create a production dynasty in a new part of America. That was the explicit reason why he did that. He said he spent six months building his studio, telling Red Bull Academy, I want to have my own empire. Now, the Neptunes won one of these talent shows Teddy had been putting on, and he immediately took them under his wing, bringing them into the studio. And he said this to Red Bull Academy, I had in mind what I wanted to do with Chad Pharrell and Mike Etheridge. So I started working with them. I worked the most with Chad and Pharrell until they decided they wanted to do their Neptunes project. They came to me with their records, but they had a different sound. They weren't ready for the marketplace. Those guys were so ahead of their time. Their sound was so ahead of their time. So there were certain things we didn't know if their sound was going to make it back then, but maybe in the future. That's what the Neptunes were about. They represented the future. It was Pharrell and him. It wasn't because of Pharrell that I signed the Neptunes, and it wasn't because of Chad that I signed them. It was both of them. I knew from those two I was going to get a great production team if I didn't have a group. Chad is an incredible producer and Pharrell is an incredible visionary. That's the talent. Pharrell was a guy who could sing and beatbox the idea. Then Chad would get up and make what Pharrell was humming. That's how crazy talented the Neptunes were. We were all technicians in Virginia. But look, man, even if they hadn't won that talent show, it's likely they'd have been put on anyway because Tammy Lucas said before they won... Pharrell would just show up to Teddy Riley's studio with cassettes, just trying to get heard. And this becomes a bit of a theme with the duo, you know, Chad Hugo. And I think this is a thing, a lot of people probably don't know much about Chad Hugo in 2022. They don't know what kind of role he played. Um, But, you know, back in the early 2000s, when we were being exposed to the Neptunes for the first time on mainstream music, it was always the Neptunes. It wasn't Pharrell and some other guy that we didn't know who he was. It was, you know, Pharrell and Chad, like... It was kind of... They had equal billing for a long time. Probably up until Pharrell dropped his debut album. Chad Hugo's always kind of played the corner. You know, he's been behind the scenes crafting. And Pharrell has been the face the creative mind pushing the marketing and the branding of the group. Uh, Shaquan Lewis said in the early 90s he was in the parking lot after a Tribe Called Quest show rapping in a cypher, and Pharrell just calmly walked up to him and demanded to be introduced to Q-Tip. And there's another fucking Q-Tip reference on a, on a retrospective man. He's everywhere. So Pharrell was persistent, and this persistent led to their big break, which was Rump Shaker. And these are Teddy's words about that song. He says, I produced a song and there were so many versions of it, I didn't like the way my rap was. This was my chance to give Pharrell the opportunity to write it. He said, I can come up with something. I said, let's do it. He came up with the rap. I studied it, I rapped it on my song, and that was his contribution to the song was writing my rap. And I say that to highlight the positions the Neptunes were in at this point. They were in Teddy's safe hands, you know, and this saw them working with Blackstreet on their self-titled debut album. But it wasn't the fastest process. You know, Pharrell had a much grander plan than simply being hot producers. Malice actually told Red Bull Academy when asked if either of them ever mentioned the Star Trek concept concept here. Malice, of course, from Eclipse. Pharrell said, uh, Pharrell, sorry, Malice said, Pharrell has always been that lunar, out of this world type of personality. It was Chase Chad. The clip stood for full Eclipse. The Neptunes represented outer space and Tammy Lucas went by Venus, which was in outer space too. It was just this outer space thing. I knew it was Star Trek from the very beginning. Those who were there and uh, what we are today, it was a great movement. And uh, look, clips were a key part of the Neptunes movement. And yeah, I think a lot of people claim Pusha T has profited greatly from his connection to Pharrell. But one thing I've learned from this episode and the early success of the Neptunes, it was wholly collaborative. Clips, Pharrell, Chad Hugo, Teddy Riley. When the Neptunes picked up some credits with Total and SWV, it kind of looked like that's the direction they were heading, but Pharrell had a grander vision of creating his own ecosystem of sound and artists. And when the Neptunes assigned to Electro in 97, they brought Clips with them. And uh, obviously, we get that discarded early album. So, that's their early career, right? Up until they really popped off. Um, I don't know if you have any uh, reaction to that, Charlie.
1: No, but um, I think the only thing that I feel like is worth, um, if we manage to just um, throughout the next couple of weeks to contextualize, um, especially Chad Hugo's, um, I think... uh, ability and also just um and, and also just like you know throwing the fact that he was there because because like you said um you know when 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 it's, it's almost dry came out it's just like yeah pharrell did this yeah and uh even even when you know Yeni R.D. album from a few years ago came out. It was just a lot. And you know, it is what it is when you have a group and, you know, like you said, Q-tips everywhere. Um, but we but we always remember the others uh, when it comes to a Tribe Called Quest. So I f- but I feel like people don't do the same for the Neptunes and I have no idea why. Um, but yeah, I guess it's because... Pharrell, when he's had just his name on production that's also been good as well um I guess that's the case if you could if you put God's mad and ask me why is it like that that's probably why um but yeah I hope um just uh that we can uh you know give uh, give equal credit um if, if, if deserving
0: well I think there's two reasons for that uh I think firstly because you know obviously producers aren't listed on the track listing they're not features. And so Pharrell too. often would do the hook himself. You know, he would often spit a verse. Yep. And so it would be yep. so-and-so featuring Pharrell. And the Neptunes would be yeah, buried... It seems
1: more involved.
0: Yeah, the Neptunes would be buried in the credits somewhere. Uh, and I think the other side of it is, uh, you know, they're a rock band. Any idea a rock band. Like, rock bands are, like, notorious for the lead singer, regardless of how much work the lead singer does just being the face of the band and you know i've obviously listened to a lot of rock music where the lead singer was not the creative force behind the band but the only one that most people knew and pharrell (laughs) was the one doing the vocals you know pharrell was the one at the forefront and because he was popping up on so many tracks as a feature in the 2000s everyone immediately said oh that's pharrell's band you know that's who you know so i think that it's and and the thing with chad hugo and we'll get into it is he doesn't seem to have minded too much at all but um yeah, I'll jump yeah. back into this story because 1998 was kind of when everything changed for them. Uh, looking at me with Mace and Diddy, people don't talk about that much. They talk about Super Thug with Nori a lot, which is obviously one of the greatest hip-hop songs ever created and opened up a brand new lane for the Neptunes. But looking at me with Mace and Diddy, went, I think it went number eight on the Hot 100, which is crazy. And Chad Hugo told an interviewer back in the early 2000s that they were actually trying to create a new type of hip-hop, one that was mixed with rock. He said he didn't know how to play the guitar, so they actually used a clavichord sound for the track, which is totally wild. He said a clavichord sounded kind of like a guitar, so that's why he used it. Imagine not knowing how to play the guitar, so you play the clavichord instead. <laughs> like, that's wild. So they used this to springboard themselves onto albums by Khalees, Jay-Z, ODB, and transition more concretely into hip-hop. And Pharrell was still avoiding the microphone at this point. Uh, but it wasn't like he hadn't recorded his vocals before. I've probably spoken about this group before, but back in 1991, Pharrell, Timbaland, Magoo, and Larry Live formed a group called SBI, called Surrounded by Idiots. And Pharrell was actually known as Magnum. And uh, yeah, know on that on one of the tracks off that that demo, he actually shouted out Chad Hugo and called him Chad the Creator. And even before that, Pharrell was in a group named Dead Poets Society, so he was no stranger to the microphone. He just the opportunities weren't presenting themselves. But the song that kind of pushed the neptunes further than maybe anything they had done before or since even was i just want to love you by jay-z so jay-z was working on his 2000 compilation album the dynasty and the album was done you know the first single was chosen to be parking lot Pimpin," and lenny s said they had hundreds of cars in a parking lot in california ready to be shot for the video uh, two days before the video is due to be shot lenny said that they were in the studio of pharrell and he just created the most phenomenal track Uh, He lays this incredible hook and Lenny called Jay-Z and Jay-Z's A&R hip-hop. Jay-Z listened to it for 12 minutes, laid the verses off the top of his head and called the entire Def Jam team and changed the first single just 48 hours before the the shoot. And that was kind of where it exploded for the Neptunes. Number 11 on the Hot 100, but I think often when you are also part of the rise of another legendary artist. Like I think it happened with Kanye a lot. Like I I genuinely think that's why Kanye was propelled to the status because like three times or two times before he even released an album, he produced Jay-Z's highest charting single. And so for the Neptunes to push Jay-Z to that level, that also meant that Jay-Z pushed the Neptunes to that level. And you know it's it's incredible, and the, and a, a huge part of it was that the Neptunes produced that beat. You know, it was they weren't beat makers. Uh, I've heard multiple people say in interviews that Pharrell won't just give you the beat; he'll give you the entire concept for the song, from the chord progression to the hook to the message. You know, during Jay Z's classic uh, to, to 2004 documentary *Fade to Black*, we actually see Pharrell in the music. Uh, sorry, in the studio, producing Allure for the Black Album. And he comes in and he's got the entire concept ready. He's got the story ready. And that's how he was producing in the early 2000s. And during the Dream Champs interview, Pharrell spoke at length about reading people and understanding what moves people, what draws them in and what entertains them. And he did this conversation with Rick Rubin, which is typically Rick Rubin, man. is, And Pharrell's on that level too. Like when I was watching him on Drink Champs, he's a very spiritual individual and getting him in the same room as Rick Rubin is wild. But he said that his inspirations come from emotions and feelings he gets when he hears music. He attaches feelings to sound and then constructs songs around that. So transitioning into laying his own vocals kind of catapulted him and the Neptunes into the stratosphere. You know, this was a time when producers were becoming rock stars in their own right, like Timberland, Swiss Beatz, Scott Storch. It was almost like people saw... Swizzy. S- people <laughs> Swizzy. But see, that's the thing, man. Like, Scott Storch was probably the only one that wasn't spitting bars. I mean, Swizzy wasn't spitting bars, but he was certainly, like... He was all over those records, you know? How dare you? He was everywhere.
1: How dare you? It was like... Swizzy always got spots.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, he's a precursor for DJ Khaled, to be, to be 100% honest. <laughs> But like I think that I think people saw Diddy doing it, <laughs> and then they thought I could do that way better than Diddy. Like I could do it heaps better. Now <laughs> I'm serious,
1: but <laughs> am I wrong? That's the coldest shit. That w- uh, you you've come at me for like hating on Swizz Hey man, and you come with that? Depends on. That how is you- the ho- that is the coldest shit ever said on this. Oh my god. Depends on how you feel. That is bad. such a bullet to the brain. Am I wrong oh, in god. that though? <laughs> Doesn't matter, bro. That's cold as shit. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's hard. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So we get, we, we, the we get, we get Star
0: Trek in 2001, um, founded by the Neptunes and Rob Walker. And it began as a division of Interscope and a subsidiary of Universal. Arista was also involved. And we know from the Clips episode that things were super messy at the start, especially trying to bring Clips into the fold. Uh, they signed Khalees and Clips, and they started building a dynasty. And, you know, over the next few years... Uh, They're producing for Britney, Jadakiss, Khalees, Babyface, Diddy, Busta Rhymes, Fab, Usher, 702, Mm -hmm. Sync, Nelly, Beyonce, LL Cool J, Justin Timberlake, Snoop Dogg, Tony Braxton, Common, Jay-Z, Lenny Kravitz, Gwen Stefani, Ludacris. In 2004, they became the first hip-hop producers ever to win producer of the year at the Grammys. From 1998 to 2010, they produced 16 Hot 100 Top 10s. Four of those went number one. And then we get the Clones. In two
1: thousand two thousand three was it? Yeah, I think Yay. so. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's most. This is probably this is probably the biggest encapsulation oh, yeah. of just two thousands music. I feel I feel like this is just a flashpoint somehow um, in two thousands music because it, it it's it's truly a time capsule. I think uh, it's truly a time capsule. Like if you ask me what's the definition of just 2000s music is this because it doesn't let's get past let's just get past it right F- front end is a classic right it's just, it's just it's just a classic it's funny it's uh you know it's flexy it's a bit it's it's not aged the greatest but it's still just a bop like the beat itself just carries carries the whole thing right and you also got um uh, what's the other one? Hot Damn, right? Yeah. Don't mind that one as well. That's that's a banger. banger. That's a banger, right? Banger. Um, but <clears throat> getting past all that, then we get into the true the true essence of 2000s music in the US. It's just so... Oh, it's great. Light your ass on fire with Buster Rhymes oh. and Pharrell. Move, girl, like your ass on fire like your ass on fire it's just great just a just a and then Buster Rhymes with bust it baby i n- i know you probably really need a tablecloth to cover your ass Is... digging in your pocket while you're rubbing your ass shit so big just put the club in your ass <laughs> prep the h2 pocket rhyme <laughs> 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 what a fucking imagery absolutely amazing imagery <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very visceral, isn't it? <laughs> that is fucking outstanding. That is, gr- oh gosh, even better. It, it just gets better. It just, it literally gets better. I mean, this ain't, this line ain't better. I see your little gap between your cut and your ass. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. That didn't age. The gap, that I see your little gap But be- oh fucking hell, okay. And make you jump inside in inside the whip and smoke a blunt with your ass. I'm saying, hmm, the shit was spread like a ring. <laughs> The way the uh, they ass wiggles see, I got the shit on a smash. I like the L smell a whiff on the hash Ugh. and bag all the bitches. Now you see me zipping a flash. Put per- just great. Absolutely <sighs> awesome. Just just and that's just the first proper track, that's it that Then you got then you got Blaze of Glory Blaze of Glory. Push a T coming in just straight up, yeah. Just coming up, right, starting it. Fuck your crews and who you're choosing, critics and news and all their reviews, The watch jeweled and the VSS duels with different hues of rogues and blues banging, right? But just and then you're, I believe, I believe, you able I is that you say? Yeah. Able I, yeah. I think so, yeah. And then man and the coming back, and then you all and it's all wrapped in this Pharrell. It's me, it's me or you or them or us, regardless of what them things gone bust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It just, it, I don't know, it's just, it's just great, it's just great. But it's, that's not, that's just not it, right? And then you have like, and then there's just random shit that just comes up. <laughs> I just, I'm just like, okay... Um, you know, and then you have, like, It was in Us with Ludacris and I-20, like, and that's a very Luda track, that's literally just Luda all over it, uh, it's just perfect, perfect Luda. um, Vanessa Marquez, never heard of her apart from this, um, and, yeah, just seems like that was, that was kind of it right there, um, but then, comes back, Pusha T, Clips, Hot, blows my mind with Snoop Dogg. And then it just randomly comes into some like rock shit yeah. with uh spy mob's half steering. What the hell? <laughs> the 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 change from Snoop Dogg to Spy Mob was so it gave me whiplash, Ben. Yeah. It it gave me whiplash. It legit gave me whiplash. So, um, and then uh, loser coming back, coming coming back around, right? Loser any other clips, right? Clean Then the Donna Dons with. Why, what combination, what random combination this is? Why, why is Super Cat with Jada Why is Jada Kiss on this track? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> doesn't a weird make one, right? It's so weird because he comes in right at the weird... end. It's
0: like, what?
1: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I spent the whole track just wondering, like, okay, how is Fr- Jada Kiss gonna fit in this? <laughs> and then he just, just gets shoehorned, um, in, in the back of it. So fine. And then, uh, honestly, pop shit with old ODB. One of the best ODB tracks. I feel, uh, I, I feel ODB just skates on that. Ed does so good on that. It's it's perfect ODB right there. Um, and also put them up with Nori. Like uh, just um, just the, uh what was it? I think it was the um, I just think it was the hook towards that one. I think. <laughs> just uh, just uh, the just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just, uh, just the just the just the girls, just the girls, uh, shouting, just shouting. Any N O R E. Just. This is great. It's 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 super um yeah it's just super blingy um peak peak uh neptune's production you know kind of just got that uh i don't know yeah like i said blingy but also got that sci-fi element to it just peak just peak neptune's production right there nori just uh getting his nori on um just kind of kind of really random structure as, as that song goes um like, uh, just one, there's one naughty verse here. It's like kind of short, and then two more hooks, and then a deep, and then like a solid verse, and then two more hooks, and then another. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of hooks on this one. It's very hook heavy. Um, not, not that it's not not that great a hook, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, man, it's a uh, it's it's like I said, just a, just peak peak two thousands hip hop in a nutshell. Um and that just uh, that's a that's a testament I think to um the Neptunes as a production collective because I think you tweeted it. I think you sent a tweet earlier in the week saying like the way you jump the way you jump back in time listening to the Neptunes. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But um yeah, I I, I saw that tweet and I was just like yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can I can see that being the case, and it is, bro. It is. It's just a literal time capsule. It's like when I don't know. If, I've never had a time capsule. I've never participated in that kind of thing. Um, I kind of, I guess, I kind of do it now with my photography. I guess, I guess, that's some sort of time capsule for me personally. <clears throat> but and I guess my IG, if you want to use, that's, that's the nearest I've got. But it is like that in some ways. When you, when you're like me, and you have like a thousand photos on IG. And you just do a bit of scrolling, oh my gosh, you just you just it just comes all flooding back. It just comes flooding back, and that's exactly what this is. You open the time capsule, boof, memories, memories come through. The amount of times I heard fronting, um, just on TV or in the whip, uh with my pops on the way to him like playing squash or whatever. That's just it, man. That's just it. That's P two thousands, two thousand and three. Just, um you know the world was a better place back then you know what I mean uh I mean it wasn't it never is but well, you know what I mean it's just, uh, just a yeah. yeah it's just a relic it's a relic in the best way possible I'm starting if i have- if I do that documentary bro if I do that documentary on the of being fucking weird I'm starting here I'm starting I'm starting with clothes. yeah it's a fair start <laughs> I actually I
0: said in the tweet I think I could just feel my acne re-emerging from my face. <laughs>
1: Yeah, perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect.
0: You know, this was the next step in creating a dynasty. Uh, DJ compilations were obviously super relevant at the time. Clue tapes, Funk Flex, DJ Envy. Uh, Neptune's played curator on this project. And Chad said they spent three months crafting the beats. And then they began reaching out to artists to get them on the tracks. Chad Hugo said... To tell you the truth, we had no plans for making the songs. We just cranked out track by track whenever we got in the mood. But we did have a DJ approach for making the album because we wanted to have different types of songs on the album to let people know about our label, Star Trek. A DJ puts a needle on a record according to the crowd and what they want to hear. That's how we want to work. Music according to what the people want to hear. When we want to make a record, we make the beat, then contact the artist we would like to work with, then record the track. That's how the Neptunes works. So Pharrell has said in interviews that clones was their desire to sp- expand their influence and it's uh wildly up and down on this project wildly up you know i actually thought that the first of that busters track apart from the lyrical content which is it's it's something to endure rather than enjoy like you're kind of on the edge of your seat like what's he gonna say next what the what wild bro. the imagery wild is shit. is is visceral like and you know south State. It's, it's wild i uh, got jay-z on front and obviously great eight bars hot damn was a great song um you know look i think that the first half of the record the first five tracks are decent then we get the rock spy mob in the high speed scene so spy mob are an old rock band from minnesota and they played instruments on a lot of N.E.I.D.'s debut album uh in search of and they were signed to star trek and they oh, released really? their own album sitting around keeping score And that was the end of their mainstream relevance. Uh, They began working as session musicians. They released an independent album in 2014. And the high-speed scene were also signed to Star Trek and released their label album, uh, the self-titled, in 2004. Again, that did not take off. So neither of those bands really went anywhere. Um, 250K first week this album sold. Went number one on the Billboard 200, thanks loudly to Hop, Dan and uh, Frontin', which blew up as lead singles. Reviews were semi-decent, Um, but look, man, there's a classic documentary that went along with the album, uh, the eight planets short film. And there's a section where Chad Hugo says, and this is what, what was, I found interesting about this. They really talked about their creative process. He said, if he comes up with the beat, the next minute, the hook, the next minute, the video all in 10 minutes. And he's talking about Pharrell and how quickly Pharrell works. And Pharrell said that on the Drink Champs episode that he worked with Chad Hugo because he was wholly unafraid. Oh, no, it might not have been that. It might have actually been in the, the um, Eight Planet short film. And the Eight Planet short film. Yeah, it's the Eight Planet and it's a short film. Okay, I'm, I've written it down and then I'm reading it. <laughs> eight Planet short film. I, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. What the fuck is that? Right. Yeah. I might have been a little bit we go I might it, we have been a little bit stoned when I wrote end. this episode. So, so there's a couple of things it's in no here. Worries. It's uh look get you, get your things. He on. did say that when working with Chad Hugo he said he's wholly unafraid and it's something Pharrell spoke about in his Rick Rubin conversation. He said a key part of collaboration is getting an artist to trust you. And if the artist doesn't trust your vision as a producer, it's immediately and irreversibly limiting. But clearly Chad Hugo and Pharrell during this period of their connection were entirely in sync. Pharrell would come up with a concept and Chad Hugo would realize them. And the documentary is really wild, you know. Pharrell went, it was being interviewed while ceasing sushi and then you've got Pusha T and Malice. The next scene is them at a shooting range, just shooting like targets, it was wild. And they talk uh, extensively about their collaborative process throughout the the film. And Chad tells the camera this. He says, Pharrell will have a beat in his head, a sequence or an idea. He may have some drums laid down. They may sound shitty as hell, but it will be a good groove. He will have as much as he can lay down beat-wise, rhythmically, keys. Then I will hear it and try and lace it. I consider myself like a band. I fill, in when I, I fill it in where I can make it sound good sometimes the song is already done maybe just a beat it doesn't need anything i might take stuff out or add effects make it sound interesting every sound is associated with the feeling if a snare is banging it's going to hit you it's going to make your neck snap if it's weak you're not going to feel that way so it's kind of like talking about chad hugo's role and basically what he did was he was the person who filled in pharrell's vision so pharrell would have some sort of creative idea he would come up with the concept and then he would bring it to Chad and Chad would create it and make it you know, sound the way it sounded. And that, I think that's fascinating. And I also think that when we talk about what happened now um, between the two and, and why there was a bit of a hiatus, uh, but I also think that that's why Pharrell's production is very hit and miss in later years because I think that he's doing... But you're looking at it now. <laughs> he's doing a lot of it by himself, right? And I think... Um, yep without Chad Hugo to, to, to lace it, as he says, you know, sometimes Pharrell, as he said in this, as he said in this very quote, he said, sometimes Pharrell's got everything. Sometimes he's got the drums, he's got the the keys, rhythmically, it sounds great. But sometimes it sounds shit, he even says it. Sometimes it sounds terrible and I have to fix it. So I think that without Chad Hugo to to kind of come in and fix this and really refine the, the beats, that's why we're getting like really, really up and down quality from Pharrell. I think he is an incredibly creative person, but that creativity doesn't match up with technical skill all the time. And so, you know, we'll talk about what happened because, you know, they were literally on top of the world in the 2000s. And in an interview with Clash in 2020, they opened with this, Clash opened with this sentence, the Neptunes is a name that you may or may not be familiar with depending on your behind the scenes music knowledge. Like if you'd written that back in the early 2000s people would have just been like, excuse me, behind-the-scenes music knowledge? Like, bro, Milkshake, Hot in Here, Change Clothes, Drop It Like It's Hot, Holler back, Girl, Moneymaker, Wild, bro, that's them, that's the Neptunes. But as the decade progressed, their chart dominance really waned. 2006 was the last time they hit the top 20 on the Hot 100 with Winded Up by Gwen Stefani, which went number six. 2007, they only charted once with Blue Magic via Jay-Z. 2008, they charted twice, Universal Mind Control with Common, uh, and Give It To Me with Madonna. 2009, didn't your favorite album. I do like that album. I really do like that album. 2009, didn't chart. 2010, once. 2011, they didn't chart. 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017. Like, that's a massive, massive, incredible distance. Uh, they obviously slowed dramatically in the 2010s, but it has picked up heavily in the 2020s uh, They've produced as a duo for Megan The Stallion, Buju Benton, Scissor, Cassie, Summer Walker, Snow Allegra, Moneybag Yo IDK, Pop Smoke, A$AP Ferg, Metallica, Rosalia, oh Nigo, Brent Fires um, And there was allegedly a point in 2003 and this is this is a statistic. Okay, this is really creepy so In 2003, there was an article that said that they produced 43% of all the songs on U.S. radio, but obviously that's impossible to prove. So there's a WordPress (laughs) blog um, by this person called uh, Maxwell Vosberg, and he dove deep into the source behind this statistic, right? And he wrote this blog uh, piece, and it's quite hard to find. It's it's not it's not really easy to find. And then literally the day after I'd found it, someone sent it to me on Instagram and said, "Hey, have you ever read this?" And I was like, "Yes, I'm reading it like right now," which was really creepy. But basically, Maxwell writes that um, this this writer for for the Age, Mel Campbell, uh, just came up with this statistic, and she could not. Like recreate it. She had no idea where the statistic came from. So if you hear this, uh, Neptune's produced forty three percent of all the songs on radio in two thousand and three, which is constantly brought up. It's not true. It's not a real statistic. It's fake. It doesn't exist. So if you ever hear that, you can just be like, Yeah, no. Nah, I mean, there's
1: a lot. <laughs> Say. It may it may not be that number, but it, it'll be a it'll be it'll be like the best number possible like maybe Quincy Jones has a say somewhere like some year in the 80s but damn that's a lot of I'm just looking at the 2003 alone that's just a lot of bangers it's a lot right that's a lot of bangers so they had that gap they
0: had this gap in the in the 2010s and they reunited of course for 2017's NERD reboot no one ever really dies but the reason for the drop-off and the the um the hiatus is cryptic and it hasn't been addressed directly during an interview with Hot 97 in 2022, Chad Hugo is unrecognizable. Like it is one of the most difficult interviews I've ever watched in my life. He struggles to answer questions. He seems like he's really dealing with something huge. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's addiction. I don't know if it's some sort of mental illness. I don't know if it's a physical problem, but uh, it's a very hard interview to watch. I've, I really respected Laura Styles. Uh, in that. She was focused and was really understanding and helpful because Chad was there of his own volition. They didn't pull him in. He wanted to come up and talk about it. And he did quite a few interviews in 2022. Um, But Rosenberg was fucking woeful. He was horrible. Like he was just completely, he was forceful. And Chad's inability to answer some of his questions just seemed to confuse him deeply, like on an existential level. It was like, I asked you a question, you didn't answer it. What do I do now? I'll ask you 20 more questions immediately. And like he was super forceful. It was a really tough interview, mainly because of Rosenberg. I thought Laura Styles was brilliant. Um, like If we look at what happened with Chad, in 2017, he tweeted his desire to resign from the music business. And in a 2022 interview for Billboard, he actually backed it up saying, it was no joke at the time, that's how I was feeling, but I'm back, continue to be creative with some of my music. Uh, he also echoed those retirement sentiments in a gq interview i think it was 2022 as well he said i feel like this is the last round of making music but then again in other interviews uh like with complex in 2022 he says the exact opposite he told complex i don't think i'll ever retire from music or stop making music and learning about music so it's very interesting talking and and watching chad hugo and the the wild thing is that chad hugo came out and did his own press for you know probably 18 months 2021 to now he has been doing a lot of his own press, completely separate from Pharrell, even though they are collaborating still heavily. Um, and they, I think a lot of it came about because they were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, uh, which happened in June. Pharrell said, It's a huge honor, this immense sense of gratitude that I feel is probably taking over everything. Um, and so, like, the Neptunes is kind of like a weird spot that we're in now at the end of this episode or at the end of what I've written down because... They were massive. Like, as Charlie said, they just had bangers on bangers on bangers on bangers. And then it just tailed off rapidly. And they were still producing, but Mm. nowhere near as much. And they they lost mainstream relevance completely. This is around the time Pharrell dropped that horrible album, Girl. I think it was in 2014, G-I-R-L, with Happy on it. Like, really awful fucking album. It was awful. But, you know every fucking supermarket aisle played that song over and over and over again. Like, horrible, horrible. And that you could just see a massive change in Pharrell's music when Chad Hugo's not around. Like, there's a huge change. And I'm not saying that Pharrell's not adept by himself, not at all. But you think about when they began. They began 35 years ago in Chad's mum's house. Like, you know, by the time Pharrell was doing his own stuff in the 2010s, well, they've been together since 1988. So, like, that's a fucking long fucking... That's 22 years that they've been collaborating. So, Pharrell to go out on his own and start releasing
1: solo music like that, I do wonder what happened. I really do. So, to finish, I wanted to do something fun. And I wanted to do a little battle. So, you pick five Neptunes beats and I pick five Neptunes beats and we will i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, we'll, just, we'll just see we'll just see who's stealing who's to be honest well let's pick let's just uh, say let's pick our it. like the beats that we think from the mid 2000s
0: from the 2000s that we think are the most like crazy iconic and see if they actually match
1: up so purely iconic just like okay right uh do you want to start
0: i'm going to start with I'm a Slave for You by Britney Spears because when that beat came out, it was 01, right? <laughs> Britney Spears had just first pick. Britney Spears had just done like, Oops, I did it again, you know, and this song I mean she was young. She was probably only twenty, twenty one, and she was already being like over sexualized because of the whole Oops! I did it again. The schoolgirl routine, all this stuff, and then "I'm a Slave for You" came out, and it is fucking—it's a dirty beat. It is such a dirty beat, and I actually think it really paved the way. And I'm—I'm I'm sure Christina Aguilera's "Dirty" came out after this. I think it was really—it uh, was powerful. It was—it was the bridge between that pop princess success and that really grimy underground kind of uh, blingy hip hop era red man popping up on christina aguilera like i don't think that would have happened if not for i'm a slave for you and the 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 video for that was just sweaty it was like oh it was wild it was it blew everyone's mind in 2001 i think it's their most iconic beat personally
1: and that's the thing right with that's the thing with the neptunes i feel and there's uh, something that not many producers have been able to do which is get just random people in a room and it's fire Yep. Oh, iconic, iconic. Um, I'm gonna go two thousand as well. well. You said I won, to go two thousand as well. Uh, shake your ass. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. <laughs> like, just yeah, just mystical. Like, I don't, I, don't, I think it's also because I can't I you can, I can't name a track by mystical yeah. apart from that. Um, and that's probably on me. But that's just yeah, that that shit. I remember listening to that track at, I don't know, like under 10 years old and just bop into that. It's hilarious to me thinking about that. (laughs) Just from from a purely uh, 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 reminiscent standpoint, it's hilarious to me.
0: Yeah, Mystical had a run, eh? He had like a very, very short run. It was like two songs and then... Classic, man. It's just so loud. I'm going to go with uh, Pastor Cavossier because... That was like oh, fuck. It was Buster Rhymes, Diddy and Pharrell and it went number 11 on the hot 100. And I remember it was off Genesis. I remember that um, there was this yep. They they used to have in, in Australia, they used to have like radio stations would have these street teams who would drive around and then they'd park at a random location and then tell you where it was and you'd go there and they'd give you free shit they give you food or they give you CD singles. So, one of the first CD singles nice. I ever owned was past the Cavossier on, uh, like, there was like nice. four tracks on it. And I got it for free. And I remember listening to it, what was this, 02? So I would have been like 13, yeah. 14. And I was just like, <laughs> what? This is fire. This is wild. So, man, that that was just, and it's a great beat. It really is a great beat. Uh, and it, it really helped to move Buster Rhymes out of the break your neck into. The you know Big Bang Theory like we wouldn't have gotten that kind of Buster Rhymes if we didn't get tracks like Pasquale Cavossier it was a really important bridge for him
1: yeah and uh, shout out to Cavossier as a drink solid drink never uh, had it to be my, fair one of my faves always 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 reliable always reliable drink uh, to to get on um I mean shit you left Hine here her yeah race, I was gonna say uh, yeah. I mean, in. it's kind of it kind of it's kind of reminiscent of Shake Your Ass, like from a production wise. It's got the same it's got the same essence, you know. what I mean, it's got that uh, that uh, static kind of uh, a uh, beat pattern that just something similar sim similarities there definitely. Um, I can't wait till our Nelly retrospective. It's gonna be so yeah, rad, no, right? It's gonna... it's gonna be so great. <laughs> it's gonna be so rad, but yeah, man, hot and hurr, goddamn. Yeah, that shit was everywhere, fucking everywhere, bro. Like, can't, can't. Uh, just the, just the. It's one of those tracks where. Have you seen that meme where um, it's Prince Harry, and he's or Harry now, just Harry, just good old Harry, a good um, Harry, good mate Harry, um, just Harry. Uh, did you see that meme where he's like uh, interviewing, being interviewed, and he's got like a, you know, he's got like army shit on. And uh, then he's like, and then like a mission's on or something like that, and he just like takes everything off and just runs I haven't away. I've seen that. <laughs> okay, so basically that meme is literally that, but people just put a song song beat over it, and it's just like when this song comes on in the club, and it's just like him running away because that's what you do. Because you hear that song, and you're like, "Fuck, yeah. let me just get all the dots for right quick." That is that is hot in her. Just just when that when you just said. Ha, and. Ha, and. Just you, 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 just you just take, you just run into you the, the you're there, you're fucking there, you, and you just stop right in the middle. when he goes, Din. oh, yeah, you go crazy, <laughs> go fucking crazy, bro! Absolutely top tier track. I'm
0: gonna choose again. This is oh, just...
1: 2002, man. They they put in one,
0: I'm gonna choose "Love You Better" by LL Cool J of Ten. So it went number four on the Hot 100, right? Such a Ben pick. This is the top. This <laughs> is the first top ten. This is the first top fifteen that LL Cool J had had since '96 off Mr. Smith, right? And they produced a lot. They produced one, two, three, four, five, five tracks on Ten, and they really changed the sound of LL Cool J and like transitioned him into that uh early mid 2000s kind of different different energy that they had and it was important for LL Cool J you know we've talked about LL Cool J a lot like he started out as a commercially successful rapper and that's where he always wanted to live he always wanted to live there you know whether you think it was to his detriment or not uh every single album he was trying to create something that was more commercially successful than the last and if something didn't work commercially the last album Mm -hmm. he'd pivot entirely and try and pick it up on the next and you know We talk about, for example, Kanye West bringing common into the mainstream fold. And I think that if you're like revitalizing the career of someone who is kind of heading down uh, towards commercial irrelevance, especially at LL Cool J's age in the 2000s, I'm not saying he wasn't like still a pop star. I mean, he looked insane. Like, he was just like crazy jacked. And so he had all the the capabilities, but for them to come in and for that song to go number four, um, and it was it was the sound like you know it was incredible, and especially because they were also Tone and Poke were on a lot of this uh, this record, and you could just see the class difference between the Neptunes and Tone and Poke. You know, it's just such a class difference, and that song's always going to be iconic to me.
1: Definitely. Uh, I'm st- I'm stuck because I've realised how many bangers they've yeah. done for Snoop Dogg, and it's just absurd. Like they've Beautiful. done so literally, such so, literally. Love. I think I think they've been responsible for all, not nearly all of Snoop Dogg's best tracks. Um, well, just from a nostalgic standpoint. definitely from a nostalgic standpoint. I'll post say that, post two thousand. Post
0: two thousand. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But th- I mean, that's the. Re- I feel like. Th- I mean shit bro like beautiful let's get blown Drop the light's hot. Drop it like it's hot <laughs> signs come on bro like it's just too much it's too much there's too much greatness in there, um I <laughs> I'm going to say this for for a joke um but it is 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 it just blows my mind that they did this track and it just makes so much sense now that I know it uh but Tokyo drift uh, teriyaki boys <laughs> <laughs> Absolute iconic track. You, you, if you see Tokyo Drift, you know the ex- fucking exactly what I'm talking about. Where the, you just hear that. Yeah,
0: it's wild, right?
1: Ah, it's just, it's just a fucking. It's so ba- It's so, oh, fucking hell! That uh, that shit just destroys the fucking uh, subwoofers in cars. I'm sure, like it's crazy. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> track. It makes no sense for them to do it, but they did it. And it's just fucking sick. It's just great. I'm going to run
0: with uh, Like I Love You by Justin Timberlake. Uh, You know, I don't even... Was in in NSYNC? What group was... I don't even remember what group Justin Timberlake was in. It was NSYNC. Bro, see, that's how crazy what Pharrell did is and what Chad Hugo did. Like, when Like I Love You came out, like, the the, the beat is wild. They pop up with fucking the clips on there. It's just like, it's that energy that then, and you know, a lot of people say that Timberland, they point, when you talk about Timberland's versatility, and they point to Future Sex Love Sounds, which is an incredible album. Do not get me wrong. Brilliantly produced, absolutely better than Justified, 100%, incredible live too. Boy, that would never have happened if not for Justified. It would never have happened if the Neptunes weren't there to transition Justin Timberlake from like, just pop, boy band, ultra, you know, white silk shirts, into doing a song with clips. You know, this was the same year that clips were in a documentary on the Neptunes just shooting at targets, like talking about different guns and different calibers of bullets. And then they popped up on a Justin Timberlake song and it fucking worked. And there's no way that would have happened without the Neptunes. This is very, very rare that any artist could do that. Like it's unbelievable the way they shape shift and then pull And you know, Pharrell was the first to tell you in interviews, we all heard that, um, that that sound bite from Drink Champs where he said that, you know, if he was in a studio and people were doing illegal things, he would call the cops. He'd be like, I'm a civilian. I don't don't want to go to jail. I can't go to jail. He's like, I've never been about that life. That's nothing to do with me. I'm not a thug. I'm not a gangster. I might associate with them and I might be around them, but it's not who I am. But yet they were so pivotal in like, Bringing that gangster credibility to artists like Justin Timberlake in the early 2000s, you're sitting there laughing at me right now. Like Justin Timberlake had gangster credibility, he didn't. But like he was, for, there's no way you could get someone like Justin Timberlake and push a T on the same song without bringing that transformation in. And and Neptune's were the only artists I genuinely think who could do that. It's unbelievable.
1: I think um I think Justin Timberlake owes a lot oh, to the Neptunes. Oh a oh, fuck ton and everything. Like honestly, his solo career would be nothing without him oh. being Dead serious. When they're not like, when they're not they, on they production, ca- they carried him. When them and Timberland are not on production, just... his
0: music is trash. Like it's fucking trash.
1: Bro, like Jesus, Rock Your Body was everywhere. Right? Oh, oh, I remember that. Legendary. Was so everywhere. Rock Your Body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets the
0: beatboxing out, fucking, <laughs> bro. If you got Justin Timberlake
1: beatboxing on a song and it works, no one could have done that. Oh. Like it, it has it all. Uh, no, 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 Senorita yes, as well. Senorita. That, those two tracks just have it all. Yeah, like, you. like that one has, like, uh, Rocky Body has like, the beatboxing. Senorita has like the call out to the late to the guys and the ladies like ladies da, 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 da. it's great but um, I think my last one I have to pick a Snoop Dogg one and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit left field I'm I'm not gonna do science or drop a it like as hot I'm gonna say Vato oh. I think that track oh. from a production standpoint just oh. bangs bangs it comes it comes in with this fade as well at the start it goes like that <laughs> Just fucking goes, bro, and um, yeah, just the track itself is heat. Like you know, obviously the uh the Avatto, <laughs> so... fucking be real, man. Be real. is just perfect on that track. Like this is the you perfect feature for that I kind saw. of track. Snoop Dogg <laughs> just comes in. He's 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 G-ing it up. Like it's just great. Shout out the blue Carpet treatment. Just a G fucking. It album. is. But yeah, man. I I, I love that. I love that track to death. I I, I spin that occasionally. Just at least like a few times a year now and again. Just I'm on. I just get on like a two thousand Snoop Dogg like fucking hype. Whenever I listen to a new a new Snoop Dogg album, I'm like, let me let me spin some of the classics and Vatos. Did you just like the first one I pick most of the time? Just just for the beat alone, it's crazy. It
0: got him back in that doggy style era, man. Like that was uh, he, that was Snoop Dogg. You know, just at his most. I, I
1: think it was different, bro. It was different. It was it was an evolution and. And he and they they helped that definitely, but it was just it was just a different flavor. It wasn't full on gangster rap. It was still that, but you know it had you know the pimping element and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, man, and let's get blown. is just a that's sexy as shit. Not gonna lie. Uh, that, that, if you if you pop that on and put like an R and B singer on that instead of making it a Snoop Dogg track, I think I'll still hit. Um, but, I know, think, like,
0: you know, we say that Justin Timberlake owes a lot to... And Justin Timberlake owes everything to the Neptunes. But the way that Snoop Dogg has become everything. the like mo- the Swiss army knife of hip-hop. You know, he was popping up yeah. on literally... They, yeah, they helped to, him transition. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. wouldn't have happened yeah. without from yeah. the church Definitely. to the palace. And then from everything after that. Beautiful. Drop it like it's hot. You know, pay the cost to be the <sighs> boss. They were all over that. And then they were all over his next three albums. Rhythm and Gangster. Blue oh, Carpet Treatment. God. Bro, there's some fucking legendary songs on there and yeah, I definitely think that uh Neptunes were instrumental in that, like super instrumental. People,
1: I just want you to know
0: you're my favorite. Pharrell didn't people. even like that song, man. Right. Pharrell was just like he said this in Dream Champs. Did he know he said he thought oh, well. his singing was trash. He didn't he didn't get the vision. He's just like, I don't think that's gonna hit and it fucking hit, man.
1: It's fine. It's fine. He did fine on it. He didn't kill it. So yes, it's great. And, and and it lets the beat ride at the end. It's just nice. It's just it's great. Love that track. Absolutely perfect track. All right, we well, shall I leave it there. Um, n- any odd any oh, said nerd any odd tea next week. Uh gonna get into that. And uh, you can't be me on the rock star. Can't can't wait to shout that out um, as well. Um, but yeah, we will shop into a heightened note. Uh, Ben. Uh, as we talk. Um. Uh, it's going to be forty degrees here. Yeah, for the first time in U- in UK history. Can I have some tips?
0: <laughs> Look, we we thought it was hilarious because you're going to like call it a natural
1: disaster. Yeah, or... bro, it's like the it's people talking about like the end of the world. Some people, and then some other people. Shout out to GB News for fuck's sake. Get on, a, they got on a meteorologist to talk about how serious it can be, and they're just going. But we like hot weather. Like, why are you being so pessimistic? I'm like, bruv, go sit out in forty degree weather. Go. Th- I don't even know what to do with myself, bro. I'm literally gonna lock myself in this room and just like keep an eye on my dog. That's literally all dude, um, yeah. I'm gonna ba- do, bro. I'm I don't. I can't even. I don't want to test it. I don't even want to test it. I don't know what's gonna happen. no nah, I don't know if like a load of dumbasses is gonna go out to the beach and kill themselves. I don't know what's gonna happen. I. I can't. I can't call. One
0: him. of the. One of the funniest things that used to happen when I was playing cricket a lot was that we would have a lot of English people come over and play for us from from county competitions. And without a doubt, the first game, they always fucked up. They'd play. They wouldn't wear enough sunscreen. (laughs) They'd, like, play in, you know, 30 to 40 degree heat all day. Then they'd go and drink 10 schooners with us after the game. And then they'd be fucked for the next week because, like anything over 40 degrees is fucked like from any perspective anyone's perspective anywhere in the world you just have to limit being outside like it's gonna feel oppressive it's gonna feel like you're walking into like a wall of gravity like walking is gonna be hard breathing is gonna (laughs) be hard i'm serious when i say this like it's it's really it's intense there's no doubt about it anything over anyone in australia who tells you that 40 degree heat's nothing and that they handle it fine is like straight up lying to you when it's 40 degrees in australia it's kind of like when it's pissing down snow and it's minus 20 degrees in england like no one's going outside frolicking and enjoying themselves (laughs) like you're inside and so and and like uh animals is is key like make sure your animals have a shitload of water keep them in the coolers keep them in a room where it's not carpeted if you can if there's tiles on the floor so they can lie on the floor because carpet will like make the heat way more intense an open room like if it's closed like if there's a lot of stuff in a room it's also way hotter um yeah my my bunny died like two years ago i think it was in the heat or last last year 2021 because it was just so hot and she just couldn't, she, she was old. She was in a, she was nine years old, which is like super old for a rabbit. Um, but yeah, she couldn't, she couldn't handle the heat, the poor girl. And um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's rough, man. It's it's going to be tough. Don't, don't, if anyone like makes fun of you for thinking that 40 <laughs> degrees is fucked, they're, they're fucked. Like 40 yeah. degrees is not cool.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just like, Cautious about it, because uh, my dog's an idiot, so I don't want him to do dumb shit while I'm like waking up and I just see him dead on the floor, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, "Fuck's sake!" So, uh, the only uh, the carpet is a good shout. I didn't think of that. Um, we have an awning, uh, like outside because we've we've taken. I don't know if we took the curtains down. Like the the main fl- the main like just problem I guess in the house at the moment for me is just like the fact we don't have curtains for like a just a going out to the garden um we do usually but we took them down because it's the summer um but uh yeah but we also have like an onion that like comes out like, so I just my mum says gonna just she's gonna pop that on but sometimes it just goes back in after a certain amount of time so uh yeah I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna work but yeah I guess I'll stick the dog in the bathroom because it's slightly like the only time <laughs> so only tiled. everywhere else it's just like this carpet that's a good shot i didn't think of that yeah because like a dog's uh, but, yeah, gonna like yeah, I, it be a fun. dog's
0: gonna like any any animal will just like lay flat on whatever ground they can because they're so hot and if the carpet
1: yeah he, li- he lies in the kitchen yeah he lies in the kitchen sometimes that's like the closest we got apart from the bathroom but yeah man it's uh it's, it's weird it's weird so I'll just it's just come about And like, it's just and it's gonna be just in the next two days and just not like it's just a weird I don't know how how it's just going to be forty eight hours longer just that. Apparently it's forty five in Portugal at one point last week. Um, so yeah, big up climate change guys. <laughs> yeah, the hottest I've ever seen was <laughs>
0: think, four. We got to forty six or forty seven one day a couple of years ago, and that was um, that was bananas, mm-hmm. man. But again, like once you're over forty, it's kind of just fucked either way, like. I don't know. Climate change is ridiculous. It's um, it's
1: confronting. It's very. Good. I don't even know how to get my head around it. It's very scary. Yeah. No. Yeah. No way to get around it. But um. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, more of them, more of them are happening, but less people are dying. Um. I ran an article about that yesterday. Um, not yesterday. Last week. For us, good. But um, a kind of accounting. It was kind of American centric, and so the answer, the reason why, was just because they have money to put research in for shit. <laughs> So so yeah that is what it is but uh, you know there's always there's always something going on somewhere i think they had like a fucking uh, flooding in like bangladesh um like a week or so ago i heard about that so it's it's all it's all happening it's always ha- it's always happening and uh, <clears throat> just the fact just the, I, I don't know if people over here are being flipping about it i know i just i just saw that one clip but um yeah i'm i'm going to be very intrigued as to how people respond to this and uh, if anybody's prepared for it all because i mean shit the amount of times we shoot our, we've shot ourselves and shot, shot ourselves in the foot in the past 10 years is just absurd so what's it what's 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 a few thousand people dying because they're idiots you know what i mean so it's what it is think of it as a uh, li- like to think of it as natural selection sometimes you know what i mean it's just like well shit told you not to so like yeah it. i think it's
0: it's so fascinating that we're moving away from like you know putting that caution hot on coffee cups or like you know putting up guard railings <laughs> at fucking cliff faces because people were so silly that they'd just wander off the edge to now just saying yeah well yeah, whatever bro if you don't want to wear a man. mask you don't want to get vaccinated you can die of covid whatever man just just go for it it's sure a, yeah sure, a bro. New, sure
1: bro whole new whole yeah. new landscape no no gates no gates just let them go let them go let them, let, them, let them fulfill their purpose anyway we shall leave it there that's gonna we'll get, we'll get morbid um, don't want to talk about name. M&M. no 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 no, 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 no. okay good <laughs> uh, leave it there for the fifth M podcast this has been Digging Digits hope so you enjoyed this episode I've been trying to say the fifth element I've been Carter pop Numbers Nerd next week be sure to join us for that of course Hope you all have a good week. We always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it <laughs> easy, Lizzy job. Alright, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me, music for the show, Spears for mid games, by Bonus Points, though the chill music for the ability to use socials for the development hip hop by numbers bonus points and your music will be in the full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening this has been a fifth in the podcast Sarah production. thanks for spending time with us i shall see you next time i'll dig in in the digits